Talk Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. No major upsets yesterday in the March Madness. No major upsets at all. Almost, though, a 16 almost beat a 1 for the first time in, I think, what, uh, 104, 105 games. UNC Asheville almost knocking off Syracuse. That might have been the best game of the day. Not an overwhelmingly exciting day one of March Madness. We'll see what we have in store for us today at thetalkzone.com. It's two guys and a mic. We'll talk a little NFL football, too. Brandon Marshall going to meet the press uh, and again david olson 11 o'clock is the press conference i love the way they schedule these press conferences right after our show i mean it's really very nice if the bears don't interrupt our show and schedule all their big news at 11 o'clock i appreciate that we'll get off the sports page as well got a big st patrick's day weekend coming up we'll have a toast and ode to the green if you will here on st patrick's day big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock another gorgeous well, not spring, it's still winter. Another gorgeous winter day here in the fine city of Chicago. A little bit of music and then we'll kick off. Oh, goodness, something about the Chicago Bulls and opposing coaches, too. There's some kind of aura, some kind of... Uh, I don't know if you're going to call it a jinx or what. Last year, I think there were a couple teams they played, and their coaches were fired immediately the game after the Bulls beat the New York Knicks. Mike D'Antonio got fired, and I read today, as the Bulls are, uh, they haven't even played him yet, so the jinx is like going into fast forward. It's missing a step, but we're playing the Portland Trailblazers tonight, and Portland has fired their longtime coach, Nate McMillan. He is gone. They also traded away like half their roster. Portland, I don't know if it was a bad day or, uh, you know, going through a midlife crisis or what, but the Portland Trailblazers' brand new coach now is Caleb Canales. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Caleb Canales, your new Portland Trailblazer coach. Thank you very much. Again, yesterday, not a whole lot of, uh, upsets in the round one of the March Madness. I guess, you know, the typical 12 over 5 game, that seems to become less of an upset and almost more of an expectation. Virginia Commonwealth University beating Wichita State. Some people called it the Illini coaching game because both those guys are, at least in the media anyways, front and center, two of the top candidates for the fight in the Illini job. We'll talk some March Madness. We'll talk the Brandon Marshall press conference coming up. We'll see if the big dog has any information on where when and how Peyton Manning will surface on a what particular team. And uh, an ode to St. Patrick's Day, Big Dog was brilliant. Brilliant in his ode to our Polish brethren on Kazmir Pulaski Day. Dog, I don't want to put pressure on you, but our Irish friends out there are expecting an equally uh, emotional tribute from you. Do you even know who St. Patrick's is, Coach? Do you know what he did? Uh, no. He drove the snakes out of England. I mean, out of Ireland. Literally the snakes or a, a leader that was considered a snake? Well, that's just funny that you would say that, but no, it was actually literally snakes. He had a flute, walked through the streets, mm-hmm. and drove, and the snakes followed him and left. They all left Ireland, Coach. Whoa, whoa, like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if the flute part is accurate, Joel. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's the Pied lie. Piper. 
Oh. But he did get somehow got the snakes out of Ireland, and that's why. I, I, was, I, I get confused with the Pied Piper and St. Patrick's every single year, Coach. Because usually when I hear the story, it's at like 8.30 p.m. on St. Patrick's Day. And you've so had I never a, remember it correctly. And you've had a few imbibements uh, at that particular point. How do you maybe, no, maybe no, work no, in... I definitely have not had a few at that point. Wow, I was trying to be kind. Okay. I was trying to be kind. Um, okay. Maybe we're you know confusing the St. Patrick. There certainly was more than one St. Patrick. Right. Well, I know this. There's a new St. Patrick Church and there's an old St. Patrick Church in Chicago. So there's there's at least an old and a new mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago alone when it comes to churches. Mm-hmm. St. Patrick's High School, home of the Fighting Shamrocks. Pretty good basketball yeah. team this year. Head coach Mike Bailey, the mercurial one. And I'm being nice when I say mercurial, by the way. Oh, so that means he's uh, hot-headed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to say you can't control yourself around children. Yeah, like learn how to lose. That's all I can say. Learn how to lose. You know, fight for victory, but learn how to lose. By the way, uh, before I forget at the end of the show, uh, David Olson going on vacation today, Big Dog, heading out for a week of uh, psychological reemergence. We are going to have assistant producer Randy Myers sitting in all next week. So before I forget, wish David Olson, our producer, a uh, good seven days off. I don't know if he's going to be locked up. He's going to be in counseling. Hopefully he'll have a little time to spend with his family during those seven days. Well, is he actually leaving and going on vacation with the family? Because if he is, I really feel bad for him. Two young children yep. going on vacation, that might be the most stressful thing a, a father could do. <laughs> three, because we're taking my nephew, too. Well, three. Oh, have fun. Three and, and a half. Nice relaxing vacation there, David. In, in Disney World. Did, did we oh. mention, Big Dog, that the wife is uh, in, in mid-pregnancy stage? So three and a half kids. That sounds like one of the most relaxing vacations a man could ever want. I, I, that's nothing but pina coladas by the beach and, and restfulness, right? That's, that's what it sounds like to me. Whoa. I don't know how he got pulled into that one. But hey. a man worked for, for 51 weeks, and that's what he has to get for his week of relaxing. Yeah, oh, you, will, you will learn, hopefully, someday, Big Dog, sooner than later, when you go on vacation with little kids. The uh-huh. term vacation uh, is used in the loosest sense of the term now, David, the nephew going is the nephew a calming influence or an instigator or somewhere in between? He's a daycare kid, oh boy. and I'll just leave it at that. Oh boy! So when they release it, when they release him out into the wild, <laughs> he just uh... oh boy! I think we answered that question. All right, so maybe when he comes back, he'll need another week off. That's exactly what I'm getting at, Coach. I don't think we're going to get a well-rested David Olson on his return. Well, that's why that's why I'm going Friday to Friday because at least I got two days, two days, uh, two more days off when I get back. Interesting. Interesting. To deflate a little bit. Down in Disney World, Big Dog has a uh, semi-celebrity like yourself, a man about town. Have you ever ventured into the hallowed halls of a Disney World? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I was uh, dragged by this by this church group back in my uh, <laughs> when I was in high school. We were able to figure out that this church group went on a spring break every single spring break. Okay, yep. and uh, so we we were we would go every single year. It only cost us like three hundred bucks round trip. How old were and, you at uh, the time? Uh, like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Wow. Those those ages. Okay. And, uh, well, they would take us to, to Disney World, Coach, and we would take over Disney World. I mean, like, take it over. I'm not kidding. We would, there's, they had it was some whacked out nut job that would lead our crew. So we would go down there with 
like a couple thousand kids that were all like on this in this this Christian organization. You know, some kids from Naperville North, Naperville Central, you mm-hmm. name a school in Western Suburbs, we'd all head on down there. And it would just be debauchery for three days. You know, you, like at you know, at nine o'clock at night you you go into a church meeting. You know, I, I promise to be chaste and follow chastity for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then a half hour later, that girl's making out with me in, uh, you know, in behind the barn. It's, it's hysterical, Coach. So I've been to Disney World, and the story by Disney World, every year we would have this one of the nut jobs that would lead this Christian group. <laughs> we would have to walk through Disney World together, and we'd have to hold hands, mm-hmm. okay? And we'd have to do whatever the guy in front did. And he would end up sprinting. So next thing you know, we have, because about 100 out of the 2,000 people at Disney World that day would join in with this guy. And all of a sudden, you'd have a group of 100 people sprinting through Disney World. Security! Security! Yeah. We got chased out of there. They, were, they weren't too happy about all the stuff that we did. Wow. What, what was the level of adult supervision on this, quote-unquote, 2,000-strong church group in the western suburbs of Chicago? I would have to say that the, the, the most responsible there was my friend Amanda. She was 15 at the time. She was probably the most responsible person on this trip. So we had, we had adult supervision. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was just funny. It was like, uh, it, it, it just was not right. You would think, oh, Joe's going out there with a church group. Well, the church group couldn't control us 24 hours of the day was the best way for me to tell you. Mm-hmm. Be careful and, uh, because your uh, Mrs. Redwanski is known to listen to this show, so don't divulge too many secrets of the teenage years. I think at this point, she realized I went to college, and whatever I did during those trips to, uh, to spring break to Florida really could not mount up to anything that I did during those four years. Mm-hmm. But four years is the key, Coach. Not four and a half or ten. Four years. Four years. Done in four years. Very, very impressive. Well, I don't know if that story made David Olson feel any better about venturing with his young kids into Disney World. I'm going to guess he was already concerned, probably even a little bit more concerned and the moral of the story folks is disney world or otherwise watch out for large teenage church groups they could be a undercover for something much more mundane no no that's true but i, I was just joking around about this one because actually I, like my family members who have taken children down there have been like wow i was so worried mm-hmm. and came back and it was like it, it ended up being a lot better than i thought so mm-hmm. it, it should be all right, David. It's Did you have any uh, romantic endeavors on the boat in, in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, or possibly it's a small, small world? Uh, it's a small world, after <laughs> all. By the way, everybody tells me how incredible that uh, that ride is, and I have no idea at that point. <laughs> I don't think she has any idea either, so it all depends. Uh, <laughs> it's a little disconcerting when that song keeps playing, though. It's a small, small world. It's You have to be... Uh, very confident in your stature, Big Dud, to overcome that in the face of adversity, if you know what I mean. But uh, that's outstanding. All right. So, but you haven't been back since, huh? No, no. And uh, I'll go back one day. You know, I finally met a really, really nice girl. I'll go mm-hmm. back one day. Well, you know, in like ten years, when mm-hmm. a couple puppies are out there. Yeah, and again for the uh, listeners who uh, did not tune in yesterday, we had a great time at the. Playbook in our uh, live appearance on Wednesday for the March Madness Spectacular, which turned out to be nothing about March Madness. It was all bulls of Miami heat, but I was able to meet the uh, beautiful, lovely, and extremely nice Lily the Lilac. In fact, did you get the email from our general manager, um, from our roadie, if you will, Rolling Meadows Jim? 
Oh, no, I have not got that yet. Was, was that something I got? I, I was extremely busy yesterday. You, like, I got a lot done. Talk. Do you ever read any of the emails that I forward to you? Because yes, most, I do. All right. Yes, I do. Well, the gist of it was, and it wasn't long, but basically he said the highlight of the evening, clearly, was getting to meet Lily. Uh, there's that's pretty much everybody says it. Everybody yes. in the family, my family says it too. Yeah, I'm not even in the family anymore. I show up, I just start eating, and the rest of the yep. family hangs out with Lily. That's yep. basically what the night consists of. There could be worse things. I, I wrote Jim back and I said I agree. You know, I got to put Hector first. My guy Hector at the end of the night was probably the highlight. Lily coming in a close second. I got to, in all honesty, I got to put her just behind my guy Hector. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got to admit, Hector and I had a moment there. So I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and Hector's friends, based on that, if you and Hector ever do decide to uh, get together in a more meaningful way, it looked like Hector's family would welcome you with open arms. They liked you. Oh, I love Epinatus, Coach. Oh, goodness. All right. Big Dog, let's get back to sports. I want to uh, definitely touch on March Madness, but real quick, once again, the Bears are nice enough to schedule the press conference at 11 o'clock right after our show. And some people say, two guys in a mic, you know, not enough people know about us. We don't have enough influence. There's the Bears, who we know people in the Bears organization do listen to the Big Dog's pontification on football. That's That's been almost choreographed throughout the year, but they're holding the press conference at 11 o'clock after our show. But uh, we do get to meet Brandon Marshall today. Uh, your expectations on what we might hear from the controversial figure. Uh, well, the, the 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 first thing is this is going to be the first press conference held by the Bears not at Hallis Hall. The figure they just might as well, uh, you know, make it extremely easy on Brandon Marshall. Where? This is at 26 in California at the Cook County Jail. So that's good. <laughs> uh, and then, as a matter of fact, the, the Bears are considering moving their training camp there to, to make it a lot easier. They finally have a number one receiver. And they'll stoop to any level to actually accommodate him. So it's good to know, Coach. It's good to know <laughs> that if if we're going to have a black eye and an and embarrassment in our organization, at least the guy can go get it as a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. So that we got that going for us. I like I like that, the... that's pretty much how it's going to be summed up. And if he messes up one more time, he can no longer say, "Oh, I, I have emotional issues and I, I need to see a doctor." Yeah, well, but see the 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 problem with that, that theory is. There's been four or five press conferences and, and numerous, Big Doug, numerous sports talk hosts that have repeated your statements in the past five to seven years. If he messes up one more time, this is it. Well, he's already passed that if he messes up one more time. So you're just another guy saying yeah, I agree. I, I completely and totally and utterly agree with it. You're right, Coach. You're exactly right. It's, 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 that's the situation the Bears are in right now. They were so desperate. To get a big time wide receiver, and this guy is big time. Look at the numbers, and look at just look at him. He's massive. Okay, and he, I don't just I don't understand how a guy could who can run a pass route so disciplined could have somebody say something obnoxious to him, and then he wants to fight the guy. You know, get past it. There are going to be haters in life. You'll be the first one to know. Get past all that stuff. You have to be no. above the fray. I'm going to make a, a, a semi-controversial comparison here, but before I do that, let me just mention the uh, the some, somewhat humorous irony that the main character witness for Brandon Marshall was Jake Cutler, who all of a sudden is you know becoming you know the the spokesman for Brandon Marshall. Well, Jake Cutler, up until about the last five games he played with the Bears, was a complete pud attitude-wise as well, right? 
So here's the guy speaking up for the character of Brandon Marshall. Not that Jay Cutler's anything bad, but I, yeah, I let's just put I it mildly. Call him a pud. I wouldn't call Cutler a pud, uh, and especially but, since he basically had an offensive line in front of him that was getting him killed. He had a, 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 a complete idiot as an offensive coordinator. I think all this stuff started building up where Cutler's like, I have nobody to throw to. I'm getting killed. I have horrible play calling. I wouldn't do walk around all smiley face. I know you should be, a, and everyone should be an eternal optimist. It makes life a lot easier. But to be honest with you, Coach, I'm not going to pile up on the Jay Cutler's got a bad attitude. Just like, like I will agree with you. I'm, I just lined up in the it's okay – uh, Brandon Marshall just produced for us and don't do anything stupid to the Bears, and I'm fine with you. I admit, I I fell into that trap. I want the Bears to win that desperately, but I am not falling into that trap. Uh, Jay Cutler, I thought he handled it extremely well because I don't know how I would have been able to handle getting my ass handed to me every single game like he did yep. for the first two years that he played quarterback mm-hmm. for the Bears. Yeah, I, I did respect his toughness, no question about that. Never called out his offensive line. The guy took a beating in Cup coming back out there. That part I respected. I didn't appreciate his attitude on the sidelines between his uh, you know non-communication with teammates, no peppy, no enthusiastic leadership when things are down you got to pick guys up i saw none of that from jay cutler that bothered me a little bit but you are right you are absolutely right he took a beating with uh well he had his first coordinator was ron turner right uh that in in 09 was he still there yeah i think so and then the last two years was uh yeah so when we brought mike martin it was oh good things are going to be better for jay cutler remember at first it was like oh you know this is a this is an upgrade this is a plus. Marks went out and you know and, and met with Jay Cutler beforehand, so everything was supposed to be good. So he's actually gone through two offensive coordinators, which we now look back in past history as both, well, to put it mildly, not exactly doing a good job with Cutler's game plan. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. But you know the, that thing does concern me. Uh, you know when people say, "Oh, you don't have to be a cheerleader," blah blah blah, whatever. Your quarterback has to be a leader of men, first and foremost, before any other thing. You can go to the scouting combine, and you can go through every single uh, minutia of whether a guy has the physical and and uh, mental capabilities to play quarterback. If a guy can't walk into a huddle or walk on the sidelines, look at somebody, and tell them to either play better or encourage them to play better, either yes. way, then he is not a quarterback. And honestly, Coach, I don't – Cam Newton is a quarterback because the Carolina Panthers last year, after about week two, were like, he's our quarterback. I don't care he's a rookie, he's our quarterback. He's the leader of this team. People like were speaking, and I was like, right then, I was like, oh, who cares the fact that he threw 400 yards the first game? I'm more impressed with the whole team has fallen in line behind their quarterback. Jay Cutler has to realize that, Coach, because he has all the physical skills Mm-hmm. be a great quarterback, and he's got the mental yep. capability. And he, he did. Telling... Last year he started to show signs, performance-wise and attitude-wise, leadership-wise, he did show definitive signs where he's coming out of that shell. And, and trust me, I'm the eternal optimist, and I'm not trying to tell you he should pat uh, offensive linemen on the back, being like, oh, it's okay, you missed your guy the last three times, buddy. Get him the next time. I'm not talking to act like that. Okay? If someone deserves to get a... a, a a head shoot off, he needs to do it, but he can't mope about it. You know what I mean? Don't be like, oh, I'm getting killed again. No, walk tall. Walk tall, Jay yep. Cutler. 
Yep. That's what he needs to do. Ladies and gentlemen, Bears uh, enthusiast, Bears expert, Bears outsider, Joe Rodwanski, our special guest on today's Two Guys in a Mic show, the press conference at 11 o'clock. Uh, the semi-minutia controversial statement I will make, Big Doug, I hope I'm not stepping into a big puddle here, but I'll make the comparison in, uh, in just in general. How do you deal with people that, you know, 90 to 95% of them are not just good, but really good. And the big puddle I'm going to make is bring back the controversial topic of Jerry Sandusky. Because, and I'm not comparing Brandon Marshall's, uh, problems with Sandusky. Sandusky's alleged commitment's much, much worse. But just in general, somebody, and apparently Brandon Marshall, really engaging guy, good personality. We're probably going to see that in the press conference today. People that are good 90 to 95% of the time, how do you deal with the 5% that somehow, be it sickness, be it medication, or be it just a, uh, uh, just a chink in their, you know, personal character, the 5% or 10% that is really, really bad, but the 90% is good. How do you look at someone like that? Well, I, I guess like a ticking time bomb. And there's a, I, I can't give you instruction on that, Coach, because... I mean, do you forget the good? Hey, this guy does this stuff. It doesn't matter about the good part? No, I, I guess it's like one of those things. I, I think I, I, I kind of explained it yesterday, where I'm going to watch Brandon Marshall with one eye closed, one eye open, and I'm going to be hanging around the corner, peeking, and as soon as I think it's about to go off, I'm just going to duck and cover, and then I'll be the first one to say, hey, I told you it was a dangerous move that the Bears picked this guy up. Who cares so let me get so, you right. Let's say Brandon Marshall performs you fully, well. You can't, fully, you can't fully trust him is what I'm saying, Coach. I understand that. I understand that. But let me, let me, let me, let me see where your um, persona regarding Brandon Marshall would go. Let's say he's a good teammate. Let's say he performs really well, elevates your Chicago Bear team. He is that spirited type leader and picks up the Bear offense and is doing good things. And then five games into the season has, quote, unquote, an incident. Does that wipe out everything else? Hey, one more time, it's done. I'm done with the guy. He's a bad guy. How do you deal with all the other good stuff he did prior to that one incident? Yeah, yeah that's 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 going to be a good question. That's a, a perfect question, Coach, because what if it is like that? What if he is? The perfect teammate, like you're saying, inspirational leader, not yelling about how many catches he's going to get. Because the only thing he's ever done negatively in terms of hate on the football field is say, get me the ball more often. Yep. You know, and, and it's been a little whiny about that, but every other transgression is 100% off the field and mm-hmm. a lot of times alcohol related. Uh, it, it, that's, it, that's going to be a really, I, I can't tell you how I'm going to feel enough, coach. Okay. If he is. A good teammate in terms of he just shuts up and he does, hasn't made any noise or anything, and all of a sudden he comes up and he beats somebody into the inch of their life, well, then I'm like, get rid of him. And the, or if he's like a perfect teammate, good leader, and then you find out, oh, he was out again and somebody antagonized him, and next thing you know, he, he you know, blew up in a parking lot and, and then left the place. You know, I don't know. Like, I'll be like, I was like, oh, another instance of somebody taking advantage of a weak-minded person than Brandon Marshall. All right, you got that's some th- what it is. You got some thoughts on it. I haven't thrown the phone number out here. It's the two guys at a mic show, Big Dog, and the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. We do this little soiree, one hour a day, five days a week from 10 to 11 each and every day, five hours per week. Hard to believe they allow us that much airtime, Big Dog, but somebody made a 
mismanagement decision, and we're taking advantage of it as long as we can. Uh, our phone number is 888-463-6748. If you want to check in, 888-463-6748. By the way, we should mention Mario Williams, one of the top, if not the top, impact defensive player in the NFL. Signed, sealed, and delivered, dog. He will be a Buffalo Bill. Uh, you two could have him for six years and $50 million. I'm sorry, $100 million, 50 guaranteed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good money. And, uh, you know, think about this. He's making less than Julius Peppers is per year. If you, uh, the poor if, guy. If he lived out, if he lives out the rest, if he, what do you call it, plays out the rest of his contract and Julius Pepper plays out the rest of his contract, Peppers is still making more. So Mario Williams didn't go for like this mega contract. Well, I guess that is a mega contract coach. What part of that is the injury? That's gotta be, that's gotta be almost all of it, isn't yeah. it? Because you're talking 16, a little over sixteen million a year. I don't know how he's going to survive. He's only making one million dollars a football game coach. <laughs> yeah. By the way, but, uh, you did hear me mention fifty million guaranteed. Yeah, and if if he plays every if all six years for the Bills, he'll have made over a million dollars a game. Mm-hmm. That's which is good money. That's really really good money. Yeah, I would say that's that's you know that figures out is pretty good. Uh, by the way, before we leave the football front, we mentioned on the open of the show, Big Dog. Sometimes you have. Inside sources that work in very, very mysterious places. Any insights, uh, Peyton Manning, who, when, where, why? Well, uh, I, I do know this is that, that uh, John Elway and some of the other Denver Bronco brass is in North Carolina right now working out wow. Peyton Manning as we speak. And they wanted to do it later in the day, and Peyton Manning's like, dude, I got basketball to watch. Get your butt here in the morning. <laughs> why is he, I'm, I'm wait, he, Peyton, he wants it done by 11 in the morning. He's in North Carolina right now? He's, he's been working out uh, at Duke for the last six weeks. And all like these, he'll have like, uh, I, I don't know, he'll have, I guess, one of the co-eds that who knows what he's done with, have, have her like catch Take a camera phone picture of him throwing the ball. Take it easy. And then they release it, on, they release it on Twitter. So they have all these leaked videos that are absolutely horrible quality of Peyton Manning just mm-hmm. swinging the ball all over the place just to rub it in the Indianapolis Colts face. Mm-hmm. What uh, just the fact that they are enticing, or at least considering Peyton Manning, what does that do to the whole confidence level of a Tim Tebow? Or does that really matter? It shouldn't make any difference. Tim Tebow's too dumb to realize that he's a, a below-average quarterback. Since Tim Tebow doesn't realize this, it hasn't affected his play yet, Coach. So is, 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 this won't affect Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow says, I'm just there to learn now. Don't worry. That's yeah. exactly how it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I watched, only... I watched Tim Tebow throw the last couple of games. Maybe, you know what? He's he's too dumb to lose too many football games either, if you want to call him that. All he does is win. And anybody questioning yeah, yeah. the arm strength of a Tim Tebow? Oh, his arm strength is fine. He can throw it fine. Yes. But I don't, you do not have a strong arm if you cannot throw the ball more than 20 yards on the field because you have zero accuracy. So you don't have a strong arm anymore. Uh, accuracy is okay. overrated. Kyle Farnsworth, Farns, yeah, you can throw it 101 <laughs> miles an hour. I don't think a Kyle Farnsworth has a flamethrower because you can't even tell him, throw it to the outside part of the plate. Just throw it down the middle, hopefully it don't get there. So <laughs> that's kind of like how Tim Tebow is. Mm-hmm. You know, but he didn't throw interceptions or anything. But if you're, if you're the Broncos, you don't want Tim Tebow as your quarterback because you know – you're going to get your butt handed to you. Every time they play somebody for the first time, Tim Tebow beats them. They play for the second time, what <laughs> happens? Boom, they get blown up and destroyed. Okay. I mean, the Chiefs destroyed the Broncos in their second game. I mean, that's, that's pretty sad. 
So if you consider that, Coach, mm-hmm. the, if you're John Elway, he does not want Tim Tebow as their quarterback next year. He saw what happened. He saw them beat people 7-6. to six, And everyone's like, oh, Tebow mania. Tebow played horrible for 58 minutes, and he made one throw. And now it's like, oh, we won because of Tebow. He's the only guy that he could replace Tim Tebow with would be Peyton Manning. The mm-hmm. only way that John Elway, they are going to still make a fortune if they're going to throw more money on him than any other team. So if Peyton Manning's only going to go there if he thinks he has a chance to win the Super Bowl, let's be honest. I, I don't think a couple million are going to sway him, but the Broncos are going to throw a boatload at Peyton Manning, Coach. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the two teams that he's down to, I mean, Arizona and Miami are supposedly still in the mix, but I don't oh, think. Miami, yeah, I, I think. I think. Miami's out. Just to let you know, Miami is out of the mix. Oh, uh, they are out of the mix. Yeah, 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 officially. All right. Well, I think these two teams that he's you know, working out for today, those those are the best. Who's the one. second team? Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, so they're there also. I thought it was just a Denver Bronco workout. Well, so, yeah, so- but but the reason it's happening out there is because he worked. I think he worked. He's going to work out for Tennessee. Let me look at it. I read. I read it this morning, but okay. it's. I mean, it's Tennessee and Denver. Looks like it's going to be one of the two of them are going to land him. And I think either wow. either situation is a perfect fit for him. Kind of cool it if really it's is. Tennessee because that's where he played his uh, collegiate football. Yeah, and no matter what happens there, they're going to love him. So the the pressure is just to be Peyton Manning for the people who love you, not oh, you have to be Peyton Manning, the guy that threw forty nine touchdown passes in '04 and. Mm-hmm. Throws forty every season and forty five hundred yards and wins every game. You know, it's a. I don't. I don't. I think Peyton Manning can handle that pressure, but that is a, a dramatic point of view. And it just knows pretty cool coaches. He's been working out at Duke for like six weeks. Like uh, three weeks ago, he had on a Indianapolis Colt helmet as he was working out. Wow, working out. The day before, there was something released cool. he, before he was released. Uh, like some video released, he was wearing an Indianapolis Colt helmet. That's cool. The I like that. The day they cut him, comes to Indianapolis, says a few words. The next day, he has a Duke helmet on while he's working out. By the way, my uh, sources tell me that Duke basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski has changed his throwing motion a little bit. Nothing major, but uh, just a few you might notice next year, just tinkered with a little bit. What do you got, David? Well, I was going to say uh, he met with the Titans officials yesterday. Uh, he's probably going to work out for him this weekend. Yeah. But the Tennessee legislature has it has uh, what did they they passed a resolution saying we want Peyton Manning. Right, stop it. Seriously, right, that, that, that's that, tax dollars at work, state of Tennessee. Thank you very much. That's our signal, big dog, to move on to basketball talk. <laughs> oh, please. We yeah. got enough football talk. That's our football news. The notes again. The Brandon Marshall press conference at eleven o'clock. Before we get into March Madness, and by the way. Right at the end of the show, the Big Dog will give some uh, highlights, tips, some do's and don'ts of the St. Patrick's Day weekend for those that will be out and about. So that's still coming up. Again, our phone number here, 888-463-6748. Just on the pro basketball front, Big Dog, I don't know if you heard me at the opening of the show. You were having apparently a somewhat heated discussion with producer David Olson, but I mentioned the Bulls and opposing team coaches. The aura continued, Mike D'Antonio getting fired or resigning after the Bulls beat him. And now the Bulls are playing Portland tonight. In Portland, even before the game is played, they fire their coach, Nate McMillan. You'll be happy to know, Big Dog, that the head coach for the Portland Trailblazers tonight as they take on our Bulls, Caleb Canales, getting his first NBA coaching game as a head coach. Did Nate McMillan have sex with the 
with the GM's wife or the or the or the president's daughter? How could they fire one of the top coaches in the NBA? You're kidding me. They fired Dave McMillan. <laughs> I didn't that think you'd be that upset about it. No, no, I'm just I'm not upset. I, I, Nate McMillan's going to get paid. He, he's a, he's a coach. You, you earn out your contract. I'm just shocked. That's a bad firing coach. They lost. Now you remember. They're not the personal issue. There's the Portland Trailblazers have outplayed their talent through great coaching for five years under Nate McMillan. Yeah. He, he, it's a personal issue. I don't know what happened, but that's what I am so shocked by that firing that has got to be a personal issue, coach. Well, they've had tons of bad luck with a lot of their uh, draft choices. Now, don't forget exactly. yesterday or the day before, the Knicks beat him by 42 points. So that must have been the straw that broke the uh, the Portland Trailblazers camel's back. 42-point loss, but they do fire Nate McMillan. They also they had a whole uh, – they went through a whole metamorphosis, big dog, change of, uh, uh, you know, midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. They also dealt Gerald Wallace to the Nets. They picked up Mehmet Akur and a first-round pick. They got rid of Marcus Camby. This is all in one day. They pick up Johnny Flynn, Hasman Thabit, in a second-round pick, and they officially finally have waived Greg Oden, their number one pick, who never was able to play because of injuries. So basically, uh, imagine a doctor being handed a patient who's got about an hour to live. Yep. And eight years later, the patient still isn't 100% and then decides to fire the doctor because he hasn't fixed them. Mm-hmm. That's basically what happened to Nate McMillan, Coach. That's a pretty good analysis thereof. What and uh, you know what? Maybe it's to the point now that he's been through so much that how much more of the old college try can you give? And they just decided to tear the team apart. Mm-hmm. So if I was Nate McMillan, and you're like, oh, you're going to trade away all of my talent for draft picks and future considerations? Thank you for firing me because my check's clearing next week. I am no longer shocked. The Portland Trailblazers, obviously. They don't care about winning this year. They're trying to rebuild their organization. Maybe the so. the popular term now is the team needed to hear. Another voice. Oh, that's what they're saying now. That's yeah. the last. That's Which I hope, years. by the way, I hope we don't hear from our general manager Chris Whitting about our radio show, because you know that that could be problematic in our field business, uh, field of business, big dog. Uh, how about the that the coach could have said this? I would have liked to have heard another voice on draft day the last six years. Cause you've given me one player with all our top draft picks, Lamarcus Aldridge, who we traded for Tyrus Thomas because the Bulls back then were mm-hmm. idiots. What was the other? They had the bad luck with Odin and then... Um... Brandon Roy. Oh, that's it. You're talking about one of... Uh, Superstar. Uh, when, we, when we mentioned all those great point guards about two weeks ago in the NBA, Coach, the one we didn't notice name was the guy that had to retire, and he wasn't as skilled or as physically gifted as most of those other guys that we talked about, but he was as tough as any point guard in the NBA. Not sure. Do you, you call him a point guard? Well, he was. The, I, I guess he's a tweener. Because he was, he's, a, he's six foot six, and he they, they they played a lot of two guard also when he was at Washington. So they could they could have had one of the great threesomes could have with Greg Oden, Brandon Waugh. I still call him Waugh in honor of Patrick Roy, Patrick Waugh, the goalie, and uh, Lamarcus Aldridge has become a flat out star. That threesome which they pictured leading the Trailblazers to greatness in the NBA. Unfortunately, only one of the three have panned out uh, because of injury. Something you can't control. Yeah, you, you can't control that. Yeah, you can't control that. I guess you could have figured out that Greg Oden was really 37 instead mm-hmm. of 19 when you drafted him. That could have been an yeah. issue. All right, well, uh, real quick, before we move to March Madness, if in case Caleb Canales 
the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, his first ever NBA game. He moves up from the assistant role. If he or any of the member of the Canales family is listening to the show, Big Doe, what words of advice would you give a young, about to be tested, against the Bulls, by the way, Caleb Canales? Uh, i got to tell you, Caleb, that uh, the best <laughs> Irish food that you can get in the city of Chicago is typically the morning of St. Patty's Day. You'll be here on Friday. You're going to lose by uh, 35 again, and <laughs> you'll wake up in the morning, get yourself some corned beef in the morning. It's absolutely delicious, and get your butt. Because um, you know Portland's so cheap that they're flying out on Saturday. They're not like David Olson flying out on a Friday night where it's like the most expensive. They're flying out on Saturday where it's the cheapest, Coach. <laughs> I'm sure Portland's the entire back- Canales family appreciates that uh, that wonderful tribute you just gave them. Yeah, and trust me, you definitely want to eat in Chicago. You don't say, oh, I'll just get some of the grab to eat on the plane. The food is much better in our city than mm-hmm. on the plane. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Let's talk some March Madness, dog. Uh, were you able to watch uh, some of the games, most of the games, all of the games? I Today, I don't know about, but yesterday I was planted pretty consistently in front of television trying to get all four TV stations uh, at the proper time. Uh found out that uh, all the live sports action I get on my phone, CBS was expecting me to spend another four hours to watch it on my phone. I gave them the middle finger. I'm not, I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? They, you already, they already have a deal with Verizon, and all of a sudden they're asking for more money. So I hope not one Verizon person paid that $4. So I uh, I didn't get to start watching basketball yesterday, Coach, until 2 o'clock, but from 2 to 11, I watched basketball. And uh, I wake up this morning, and all the Grinches are being like, it was a horrible day. No great games, but... People are really, really crazy, Coach. I know there were no, uh, like, uh, buzzer beaters at the end of games, but there were so many close games down to the wire. And uh, I, I will say this, the basketball wasn't played at a great level yesterday, but the intensity was definitely there. So that's for some, something tells me today is going to be one of those whacked-out days because mm-hmm. we had a, uh, a, a extremely shocking, non-shocking day. The most upsetting thing about yesterday was there weren't any big upsets. Even, I mean, there was like a 5 that, or a 12 that beat a 5 that was, like VCU that beat Wichita State. Who was surprised about that? I have VCU in the Sweet 16. So, it's, I think everybody's bracket is perfect right now. Yeah. Uh, seriously, I bet you 10% of America's brackets are perfect after day one. How yeah. often does that which, happen? Which though? doesn't impress me that much because you know, people just picking the chalk. VCU, uh, <laughs> Knocking off Wichita State, that was a game that went right down to the wire. Great ball game. Iowa State beating Connecticut. Even though it was an eight beating the nine, you got the powerhouse Connecticut team going down. That I thought was somewhat of an upset. And one of the cool things in March Madness is to find out about uh, you know new players that you haven't seen before. I don't know if you the guy, the uh, dude with all the tattoos, the point tall, strong, but nevertheless point guard. I think his name is Royce White for Iowa State. Well, I watched that game last night, Coach. That was a that was a real entertaining game. Fred Hoiberg is phenomenal, yeah. Coach. He coaches up. That guy could be – I know he's not going to be Illinois' coach because he's probably going to be in Iowa City forever. The mayor is never leaving. Yeah. Uh, but Iowa State is now back on the basketball map. Expect them to go to the tournament for the next 20 years, Coach. Seriously. Mm-hmm. They got themselves a coach. Yeah, if that kid could play – I took uh, Iowa State over Connecticut just because all year long, Iowa State would beat Kansas or beat Texas. They could hang with the big boys, Coach. 
And they're definitely playing a big boy next because they got the number one overall seed, Kentucky. So yeah, that dude, I Royce White, uh, Royce Ooh. White's going to be hanging with the big boys next year in the NBA. That guy can play. Uh, weird look, weird style to his game, but he's a phenomenal player. Connecticut, on the other hand, and I hadn't watched much Connecticut basketball, but all you had to do was watch that game and see what their problem was this year, and that is, um, I got, you know, I call it the I got to get mine syndrome. I mean, you've got Shabiz oh. Napier. Remember last year, that dude, he got in trouble early in the season. He was a freshman last year, sort of uh, like Ryan Boltwright is this year, and Kemba Walker had to sit him down about halfway through the season. I don't know if you remember this or not, and Kemba said, hey, Shabbat, at the end of the games, I get the ball, not you. So Shabbat. And, 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 huh? That is one of the greatest. And you're exactly right. He actually did say that. It wasn't just like a yeah. symbolism. He actually did that to him. And then Kimba Walker, you know, it, it's one thing to take the shot, but it's one thing to want to take the shot like like Michael Jordan just, like, craved taking the winning shot. Well, you know, he wasn't afraid whatsoever. Guys that are like that tend to win. Like, Kimba Walker, like, he's like, you're giving me the ball to end the game because we need to win the game. He had one of the greatest runs any college players ever yeah, had. But, but you got to take the correct shot. And the problem now is, you know, Shabbat is a sophomore, and now it's quote-unquote his team. But you also have Jeremy Lamb, who wants to get his shots. And then you've got this year's Shabbat, the kid out of East Aurora, Illinois, who uh, is just an incredible player. Ryan Boatwright? Uh-huh. I mean, his quickness and his creativity and elusiveness can be out of control a little bit, but he is unbelievable. If you haven't seen him play... Ryan Boltwright is the goods from an excitement standpoint, and you could see he needs the ball in his hands. So you got three guys, the rest of the Connecticut team standing around, you know, on occasion, maybe getting a token touch for the ball, and all three of these guys had to get their touches, and when they did, they had to make things happen. It was clearly a case of a team beating better individuals, Iowa State over Connecticut. You know, we uh, we were looking at it exactly the same way. We're just thinking of it differently because you – I was going to say their biggest trouble is that they, they were just standing around. And, and you're right. It's like, oh, I don't have the ball. Okay, all right, he's going to go take a shot on this. So let's watch him take the shot. Oh, he missed it. Oh, I've got – okay, I better get back on defense. So, and that's kind of how it was, Coach. They, I think you summed it up pretty well. It's like yeah. just waiting, standing around waiting to get yours. So if you had the ball passed to you, you were probably shooting it, but you didn't get the ball passed to you very often. Mm-hmm. All right, so we had that one. David Olson, uh, other stuff from uh, yesterday's games. we got a – Take a quick preview ahead to some pretty good matchups today. Yeah, just a quick bracket fact. Uh, with there being no upsets yesterday, on ESPN's bracket section, there were roughly 17,500 people that had every single game correct. That doesn't surprise me, really. It doesn't. Hey, here's the surprising one. There were eight, eight total brackets that had none of the games correct. <laughs> Out of, what, millions? Yeah, I, I I I forget the exact number, but yeah, it was about 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. So eight. Somebody, yeah, wow. people people going with the upset specials right down the bracket. That's well, what it was. Somebody, if somebody did that, they if, if they can go today and go wrong, they will not get one game right in an entire tournament. Because as soon as you get them all wrong today, you have no teams left. So technically, you could say you had a perfect or a perfectly imperfect bracket. They still have a legitimate shot at that today, coach. Controversial uh, ending, Big Dog. Probably the biggest controversy of the day. And maybe the most exciting game of the day. We almost had a 16 knock off a one. University of North Carolina, Asheville. Very good team, by the way. 
Yeah, Not a are, fluke. Yeah. That was a talented team. Almost knocked off Syracuse. So your comments on that game and in particular the uh, couple of questionable calls at the end of the game. Oh, my goodness. There were there was two. There was a bunch of calls, a bunch of calls against UNC Asheville that honestly didn't make any sense, Coach. But the two of them, the two worst ones, was there was a completely obvious – this happened the last call, by the way – where the ball was off of a Syracuse player, obviously off of a Syracuse player, right in front of the Asheville bench. And they still gave the ball back to Syracuse. I mean, I was watching the game live, and I'm like, the ref pointed the wrong way. They'll correct it. And the three correct didn't correct it. Yeah, and, and I, I can live. I couldn't believe what I had just seen, Coach. I can't believe what I've just seen. Big dog, I can, leave, I can live with human error. Yeah. But my question on that particular play, that came at a critical time, and again, folks, we're talking about a game that could have created history. A 16 was that close to knocking off a one. It was a three-point game. Four-point game at that point, they were about to get the ball back, so it was a critical call. Uh, B, where were the other referees to help out? And C, and again, I can live with human error. I can live with the referee that's closest. Human error, sometimes the guy closest doesn't have the best view of it. I can live with that. But what about the bench should have argued more, and don't you go to the replay camera at that point? Yeah, uh, why they went like immediately just handed the ball back to Syracuse. Yes. And, and I was like, talk about it, guys. They didn't talk about it. The Asheville. Coach Don't you think like, the the Asheville bench should have argued a little bit harder? They they uh, the coach should have lost his freaking. At that point, it was a four point game, and they had just got a. There was just about thirty seconds earlier a call where uh, a Syracuse guy was shooting a foul shot. He missed it. Well, they said, "Oh, uh, illegal uh, lane." What do you call it? Uh, they he guy went into the lane early. They show it. He did not go into the lane early. So, first of all, to call that – well, actually, I have no problem with that because when I hear people say you can't call that in that situation, oh, so it's okay for somebody to get an illegal advantage on someone in in the most important part of the game. No, that's not right. But the crazy thing is, Coach, the Syracuse guy was the one who went in first. The Syracuse free throw shooter misses it, and they call it off and said, oh, you get one more. So when that was only a four-point game, it should have been a three-point game. Because Syracuse got another shot at the at a free well, throw. Well, when he so missed, they're handing away point. When he missed the free throw, it was a three point lead, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it would have been Asheville's ball with the momentum, uh, only down three with a chance to win it, and then they called the lane violation a brutal call. Now my my biggest argument, uh, I got a, I got a bunch on this one, but the announcers never they criticized it, but they never did a great job. Well, not a great, they never did any job of telling us the specific rule. Now, help me out here, Big Dog. When you're in the lane on boxing out on free throws, do you or do you not, Consular, have to wait until the ball hits the rim in collegiate basketball? No, 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 no. You, as soon as the guy releases the ball, you can go into the lane. You're sure. The person, I am 100% positive that every single person along the line can, can leave and get into the lane as soon as the ball leaves the hand of the shooter. The shooter... Has to wait until the ball hits okay. the rim before he can enter the lane. Because in high school basketball, you have to wait until the ball hits. Okay, well, yeah, this is, I, I guess I do right. collegiate, so if, uh, collegiate basketball-style okay. rules because when I referee those. Now, do we know for sure that that rule, because the violation was called, to be fair to the refs, and here's where the announcer didn't clear it up enough, not by the guys in the lane. It was the guy behind the shooter crashing into the lane. 
does the rule, and here's where I think the announcers might have messed up, does the rule specifically state that if you are outside the three-point line, you're not one of the guys in, on release of the ball you can crash in? So you, uh, if you are not supposed to be inside of the three-point circle at that point. No, but on the if release not, of the ball. If you're not lined up on the lane, you cannot be inside of the three-point lane, and you have to be behind the timeline, too. You know, that, that's like, you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, no, but that's not, that's not the issue. Well, the issue is when talking. when the ball leaves the shooter's hand, can that guy then crash? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what Michael Jordan would call the takeoff. Right, but he does he not have to wait. Somebody takeoff, and he would. Yeah, you can do that. You can absolutely well, crash. If that is in fact the rule, then that's an you know again human error I can handle. But a call like that—that's not human error. That's, that's a misinterpretation just, of the rules. That's piss poor judgment at the worst possible time. Inexcusable. If, in fact, mm-hmm. that's the case. Absolutely hey, inexcusable. It wasn't the Syracuse guy in early anyway. It was the Syracuse guy whose foot landed first. Well, so the, the point Anthony. is the, the guy who made the violation, he pointed to the guy outside behind the shooter, and that guy clearly clearly took off after the ball released the shooter's hand. Uh, so, Greg Anthony, who I, I, never, I always hated when he was with the Knicks, and I say that in, as, as in term of respect because of I just, I, he was just one of those guys that always did the right thing on the court all the time. Well, he was talking yesterday right after that game, immediately right after. And he was like, I'm very angry. He's like, I'm watching this. And as a basketball fan, one team did not get treated fairly. He's like, and it's very difficult for me to handle this because my son complains way too much to the officials during basketball games. And I don't want to contradict myself when I'm trying to teach him here. He's like, there's a fine line. Between complaining all the time to officials and when you got completely robbed, and and then he went off on the Asheville coach. Mm-hmm. He's like, you needed to defend your team in that situation. And then he went off on the officials being like, how could you let all of this happen without ever one time coming together and being like, hey, did we get the right call? Yep. All, and it wasn't just those two, coach. Those were the two blatant, obvious bad calls that went against the team that they didn't correct. But there was just a bunch of other stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. you and see Asheville – was getting a charge call when people were like, the Syracuse guy didn't even have both feet on the ground, and they got a charging call against the guy. And I was like, what? And they only the game was a one-possession game in the last minute, so people say it didn't matter. They're out of their mind. It, it felt really like it was five on six yeah. the whole game. I completely agree with Greg Anthony, by the way. The, and the coach is trying, you know, Asheville's on TV. For one of the rare times, it's a marquee moment for them. He's trying to keep his composure. He's trying to be classy. But you know what? In that situation, you have to demand that the referees come over and talk to you. And I agree with Greg Anthony. The referees on both those calls should have got together. The bottom line is, in this day and age, you make sure you get the call right. And they didn't do that. And they they had an opportunity, too, in both cases. Just throw another. So we all know that UNC Asheville did not get a fair opportunity to see if they can beat uh, the one seed yesterday. So yeah. we'll move on. We'll move on. I don't think UNC Asheville is any threat to go to the Final Four or anything. Mm-hmm. Just talking about analysis of the guys, the commentators talking about the game, I just assumed Charles Barkley was going to come in and say a bunch of funny stuff and not be prepared. My goodness, when did he spend the last four days watching every single one of these teams, Coach? I, I will admit this. He has to look down and look at his notes every once in a while. But, but I, Charles Barkley has surprisingly, <laughs> like, 
endeared me to him with the amount of work that he has put in over the last week because I was going to be like, oh, he's got a bunch of professional guys out here that blah, blah, blah. He's done a, he, he was totally off yeah. yesterday. You're, 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 a, you're a year behind the times because I had those exact same thoughts last year when all of a sudden the lead uh, studio guys for the, for my college basketball tournament were going to be Greg Anthony, Charles Barkley, and help me out. Who's the other NBA player? Uh, yeah, they, they broke him up this year. Greg Anthony was during the afternoon, and Barkley was later. Uh, but yeah, you're, uh, okay. Kenny Smith. Yeah, and Kenny, Kenny Smith. And I thought, you know, what? Are, you know, oh, they're bringing these guys in to do college ba- They won me over last year. They absolutely knew the game, not just the little, you know, the extra part of it, but you could tell they had followed the college game. They knew some of the insights. I was impressed last year, and I'm right with you again this year. Yeah, yeah and obviously, like if Seth Davis or Dan Dockich or Clark Kellogg. Start talking basketball compared to college basketball compared to Charles Barkley. They're going to blow it, Charles, out of the water. But let's face it, Coach. The reason why there are four games on all day today is because TNT, TBS, and True TV. So they're like, okay, so we're, we we own all these, so we we need as many basketball analysts as we possibly can get. So you can't complain about it. It's not like they're like, oh, well, these are the pro guys are better than the college guys. I, I haven't had that feel. Mm-hmm. They, but everywhere you, they're on on all four of those channels. You're either getting a game or in-depth analysis from either like a, a pro guy or one of the college guys. So mm-hmm. again, I'm just going to tip my hat. What I, I can't wait. I'm going to sit on my butt all day long, watch basketball all day long, and then work out for about an hour and a half in the middle of the day, coach. Yep, sounds good I'm to I'm me. Fired up. More I'm March fired madness up. to come today. I'm right with you, my friend. Great games tomorrow. There's some quality, quality matchups both Saturday and Sunday. And like we said yesterday. Uh, when Sunday is done, when we reconvene on Monday morning at 10 o'clock with assistant producer Randy Myers at the helm, as David Olson will be uh, out for the week. But when we reconvene 10 o'clock on Monday, Big Dog, the 68 teams will be down to 16. The bloodshed goes that quickly. A lot of teams, most teams will be out by Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it goes from, you know, big times and nobody in there real quick, Coach. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to take advantage of my uh, – Basketball watching today because tomorrow is St. Patty's Day. Now, I, I haven't gone out in St. Patty's Day in a few years just for the simple fact that I can get a little bit rambunctious and I really haven't had the money to go out. But I'm, I, I'm not going out this year, but my son this year, man, is going out. This St. year, Patty's man, Day. will be uh, uh, outstanding. Any particular location, our two guys and a Mike fans might be able to look for this year, man. And by the way, this year, man does have his own Facebook page. Check it out. This year, man. Yeah. Where might this year man be? Well, uh, this year man has a couple people that are uh, trying to promote him. One of them is an old high school friend, and I think I'm going to let her be the actual promoter for my guy. Uh, but he's going to start in Wrigleyville and continue throughout Wrigleyville all day tomorrow. And uh, there will be camera crews. That's going to be big time, Coach. It's going to be big time. So the... This year, man, will be out partying with the, all the, the Cub fans in Wrigleyville mm-hmm. for, from about 11 a.m. to 4 a.m. Beautiful. Partying responsibly, and while this year, man, is uh, imbibing with the Cub fans, you might want to discuss what the hell's wrong with Carlos Marmol because our closer right now can't get anybody out. So make sure you ask this year, man, about that as well. Uh, I, I, he usually has trouble uh, from March through September, Coach. Who, this year, man, or Carlos Marmol? 
Oh, goodness. Should be a lot of fun. And as always, Big Doug, we remind our listeners out there to uh, enjoy the weekend, party up on St. Patrick's Day, but always drink responsibly. The designated driver, the taxi driver, is always a good out if needed. Uh, yeah, drink responsibly. We know no one's going to drink responsibly on St. Patty's Day. Get a cab. Just cab it immediately. Yeah. I know that train is going to be full. For example, for example, ask me to call you a cab, Big Doug. George, call me a cab. You're a cab. Work out for both of us. Thank you very much, David Olson. Uh, what's what's happening? Well, no, no, no. I was just I was just happy to hear that uh, this year, man's going to play it safe and stay in friendly territory. Because I, I was afraid there for a second he was going to say, "Oh yeah, you know, this year, man's going to do a pub crawl down Western Avenue on the South Side." <laughs> so uh, yeah, this year, man knows better. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say on on St. Patrick's Day he'd be sent back to Clark and Addison in a body bag <laughs> if he did that. No, no, you know he uh, he's being he's being honest. They would start a fight. There would be a fight. That was start. without yeah. the, the second he stepped in the door. Uh huh. That's true. Oh, and, so. and it wouldn't help that I would be wearing a hat that said "Kiss me, I'm Irish." <laughs> so it would not be taken in all good nature, Big David. Come no, on, you're no, underestimating you know, our fans, whites. Huh? Fox fans are crazy. I like I, half the people were funny and laughing, at, you know, with me that day I went to Sox. The other half were like physically. Accosting me and like talking smack like they wanted to fight me. <laughs> okay. And no sense of humor. Them and, walk towards them and then they didn't want to fight anymore. Then they, yeah. they kept walking. So no that, sense of humor. humor. Maybe maybe we got to have this year, man, sponsored by some charitable organization so people know it's all in good spirit. That sounds like a really good idea, by the way, Coach. And like, you know, when when do we want to find a cure for cancer this year, man? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Exactly, sir. exactly. All right, have a good weekend. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Have a great week off. Randy Myers sitting in next week. Big Dog, enjoy the St. Patrick's Day weekend this year, man, as well. And we'll uh, talk to you Monday at 10. Be safe, okay? Go all Illinois basketball team. Don't forget to spread the truth. Pass the gas. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Monday at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic signing off.